quick note before we begin the episode. Episode 200 is fast approaching, and to mark the occasion, Hussam and I will host a special Q&A session with questions from you lovely treasurers. Click on the link in the show notes to submit your question, and we will even send a $10 gift card for our favorite five questions. It can be about careers, treasury, corporate treasury 101, or even what Hussam's favorite ice cream flavor is. Deadline to submit your question is December 15th. Have a lovely episode. Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the third and final part of our full interview with Mateus Zani, where we discuss non-deliverable forwards and DFs in financial risk management. In the episode of today, expect to learn what is an NDF and how does it function? What are the potential pitfalls or challenges when using NDFs? What issues can arise when using them? Beyond NDFs, what other hedging instruments are popular in the Latin America region, whether there are specific strategies businesses employ to manage and reduce these costs, and like always, much, much more. Latin America is a fascinating region, and especially when it comes to FX risk management. And we got to talk to a very expert of the region, so we truly hope you will enjoy the episode. If that is the case, and when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, Chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media, or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our only request to you. We are now on YouTube and you can get to listen to our episodes whilst actually watching us. So if you could support the show, head to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Corporate Treasury 101. That will mean the world to us and help more people learn about treasury. On another other note, this episode is brought to you by Automation Boutique. Automation Boutique is empowering treasury, finance, and risk management with tailored automation solution. They use robotic process automation, RPA, AI, APIs, and Power Query to create automations that can work with your existing systems. We partnered with Automation Boutique as we really like their approach to innovation and how they help the industry. For this partnership, they came up with an AI-powered automation self-scan that can help you find out if a business process is suitable for automation and how to best get started. It is totally free, non-intrusive, and only takes about 15 minutes. What's great is that the report you will get from the scan helps you determine if the benefits of the automation outweigh the costs. If you want to have a look, head to the link in the description or to automationboutique.com slash corporate treasury 101 and with all that being said please welcome Matthias Zani awesome you mentioned earlier uh, a term uh, NDF could you explain NDFs, like what are NDFs and how do they work? No, for sure. Uh, non, nee, NDF stands for, for non-deliverable forwards, né? Uh, which are derivative contracts designed for hedging currencies in markets uh, with limited convertibility. Né? Uh, they operate as agreements between two parts, né? typically a company and a financial institution, your counterpart. Né? Uh, so you exchange the difference between the agreed upon forward exchange rate and the prevailing spot rate at maturity. So pretty much is that you exchange 
uh, the rates. Uh, and also another feature is that NDFs uh, don't involve physical delivery uh, of the underlying currencies. So this is the main uh, feature. Uh, so it makes uh, NDFs uh, ideal for managing exposure to non-comfortable uh, or restricted currencies. It's a big advantage. Okay, so that would mean if I contract an NDF with you, Mateus, for like, I don't know, a hundred million Chilean soul, um, at maturity, the value of the soul would have been 120 million. You will only transfer me 20 million, basically. That's what it means. You will not send me the whole contract. You're just sending me the difference, correct? Yes, correct. It's only the difference in the settlement, you have the PNL, the profit and loss. So mm -hmm. you'll be receiving yeah, uh, the profit or paying the losses to the institutional uh, counterpart. But it's exactly as you said, it's just the difference between uh, the, 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 for the rate against the rates at the maturity. Super interesting. And so why is that particularly relevant when we look at a restricted currency? That, that's a good question. NDFs uh, have uh, gained prominence in, in Latin for several reasons. And so first, they provide flexibility by allowing, by allowing business to hedge against currency uh, appreciation or depreciation. Of course, is the main reason. Okay. Uh, second, NDFs uh, can be cheaper than than option strategies or even forward contracts as well. Okay, uh, I mean, just for from the transaction cost per perspective and not the interest rate differential. This is, a, is another is another thing. Uh, also, NDFs contracts can uh, they are off the shelf products in many financial institutions in the region. Uh, uh, in other in other words, uh, companies can find them in, in almost all banks uh, across the country. No, uh, banks are very used to uh, to offer NDFs to to their clients because they can find NDFs has a, a, a huge liquidity in discount in those countries uh, when you compare of forwards. Uh, also, NDFs you can go uh, far regarding the tenor of these contracts. You can place uh, six months, twelve months uh, a tenor when you compare of forwards. Uh, most of the time you are not able, the banks limit cap your, your tenor to 30 days, 60 days, maximum, maximum. because, um, as you said, EDF, you need to pay just, just the, the different, uh, while the forward, you need to, uh, do the whole amount, the whole amount, which means it's more riskier from the counterpart perspective. So because that NDF is, is more popular, more traditional uh probably in, in such countries so it's cheaper it's easier to deliver it's less risky for the bank i'm gonna put you a bit on the spot here mateus no pun intended but why would all the companies not use ndfs all around the world why is forward even existing then this is a good question <laughs> this is a good question <laughs> uh, when we look at the developed markets now um Europe uh, in general, uh, along with the UK, US, Canada, 
they tend to use forwards harder than LDFs. Uh, I think pretty much because uh, the risk of these contracts. Uh, I think uh, the counterparts see that these development markets less risk to offer forwards harder than NEFs. This is, 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 a, is a one thing. Yeah? Uh, and another thing is because just the difference. Yeah? So that allow you to, uh, yeah, I think it's the same. This is a good question. I need to investigate this a bit better. But uh, if you go to Africa, all emerging markets, um, uh, you see the NDF being used much more than forwards. In Brazil, you can, you can use forwards, uh, but uh, as I said, it's just for short-term hedging, NDF for long-term hedging. And each one, we compare the pricing, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a large difference in, in pricing for those instruments. Okay, and I and I see so looking on the internet of all things at the same time, since that NDFs can also be I mean the NDF markets are also focusing on certain currencies. So maybe that's a product that is developed by certain financial institutions only in particular countries. The ones I see here are Chinese Yuan, so typically a restricted currency, Indian rupee, uh, South Korea won, new Taiwan dollar, Brazilian real, Russian ruble. Um, so that's, that's maybe why as well, actually the NDF product in itself is made more available for those currencies. Maybe for what is more profitable for financial institutions than NDFs, but anyways, a good, uh, a good follow-up question. Definitely. <laughs> Thanks all for this, Mateus. So are there specific countries or scenarios where NDFs are more advantageous? In Latin America in particular, I think uh, we've built up to this point, so the answer is quite obvious, but can you enlighten us on that? In Latin America specifically, are there countries where NDFs are more advantageous, if not mandatory? No, I would say there isn't an outfit answer here, because uh, the most adequate uh, instrument, you depend on the market conditions, as I mentioned before. And uh, so if you use, for instance, mesh, Mexico, Colombia, uh, Chile, and Brazil, all these countries, they, you are able to, to put together your hedge strategy using NADFs, okay? But that doesn't mean that NADF, you be the most adequate one. Uh, you depend a lot on different components. Uh, as I said, the risk tolerance of, of the businesses uh, and the hedging cost. I'd say the hedging cost is the most important component that you need to understand when you're building a hedging strategy. Né? So NDFs can um, can work very well in, in a specific market condition, while options can can work very well in another specific condition of the market and different uh, risk tolerance. Okay? So I, I think uh, the the builders they need to understand these components and try to identify what is the best instrument to them. Uh, how they approach uh, the currency risk and the strategy they be using, you depend a lot of their budget, their risk tolerance, uh, and so on. So I will not say that NDF is the best one in Mexico or the best one in Brazil. No, depends on the, the market conditions and the profile of the business. And at the end of the day, 
what they want to protect, how much they want to protect. I think this 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 is the, the idea. You mentioned a couple of cons about NDFs earlier, but there's any others that you didn't list? Any other like reasons why you wouldn't use NDFs, even in LATAM? Um, no, I think that the... And you would use a forward, for example? Yeah, usually we are seeing clients using forwards for short-term hedgings, okay? Uh, 30 days or 20 days, maximum 60 days, they are using forward. For uh, tenors higher than this, six months or 12 months or one year and a half, they tend to use NDF or option uh, strategies. Yeah. Um, see, in terms of flexibility, and are NDFs not good? Are NDFs not good for short term, or are forwards? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Businesses tend to use forwards because uh, it's easier to set up this instrument with the counterpart. Okay, because sometimes uh, for NDF, the business must to set a ISDA. Or, and also a, a credit support annex with the counterparts, okay? For forwards, most of the time, they don't need to do this paperwork. They, they, they have a relationship with the, with the bank. I, I want to, to book a, a forward and just book a forward. Just call to the fax desk and book a forward. They don't need to do any paperwork, authorizations, etc. So it's much... Uh, uh, convenient, convenience from this perspective, okay? So because of that, most of the time. Hey. Difficult. So moving beyond NDFs then, what other hedging instruments are popular in LATAM? So you mentioned forwards and options. Um, what are the other, so forwards for short term, options as an alternative to NDFs. What other like hedging instruments are popular? And, like you broke down there, right? You would use like a forward for more short-term contracts and you have for longer term. Could you also give like why you would use specific ones in the region? No, for sure. No, a part of the NDF, so have forwards, you have options, cross currency swap, you are enable you to hedge also the interest rate differentials uh, and, and swaps, vanilla swaps. I have this four or five uh, instruments. Again, each one provides different flexibility, each one can be tailored to specific risk profiles. Uh, I think that the, 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 most of most of them, yeah. um, and we need to analyze. Yeah. I think that a very solid hedging from view depends on what is the benchmark of the company. What do they want to to protect? Yeah. Uh, I want to only protect my revenue. I want to maximize this. Yeah. So it depends on the answer of the company. We we need we can hedge just with your NDF or a vanilla option or some more sophisticated options strategies. Or uh, if I have a, a long-term debt with a different uh, with a different interest payments principal, I may use to use a cross-currency swap instead of place NDFs. If yeah, I'm in a negotiation, for example, let's say in the MA uh, situations, no? uh, I have a specific deal, maybe it's a local company selling some stakes for other uh, offshore company or other business uh, abroad, uh, but I'm not fully 
certain if the go if the deal you go through. Okay, I know there's a FX risk because I'm pricing my company in local currency, but the the buyer potentially you buy you buy the company using dollars or euros. So there's a a currency risk in the transaction. No, but for example, I'm not completely certain if the deal goes through. If I hedge this exposure using NEDF, I'm assuming that the, the deal will go through. So I will have obligation at the maturity. Okay. Uh, so, so what will happen? Né? If the deal doesn't go through and the position will be negative, I, I will have a loss and I will not have the deal. Okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, the company will find uh, itself in a big trouble. Né? So the idea is to understand which derivative will be the best one for this specific situation. May it's better just to buy a vanilla or, or option vanilla. So uh, I have the right to protect against scarce risk, but I don't have the obligation. So it's a completely different story. Okay. So in this way, it can be protected and not have any any collateral damage if the deal doesn't go through. Uh, or I can use a deal contingency hedging, which is is another uh, type of structure. Yeah, it's a it's a price a structured product. And inside of it, this contingency hedging, you have a plate of forwards and options inside of this product. Yeah? Uh, with the with the particular goal, yeah? if the deal doesn't go through, I'm, uh, I don't have any any obligation. If the deal goes through, I'm protected. Okay, of course, each one of the derivatives have their own uh, own cost. We need to understand this as well. Makes a lot of sense, Matheus. I think you've touched upon it a bit earlier in this uh, in this interview, but can you maybe break down for us how is the IPO approaching the FX risk management space, in particular in LATAM, and with the various solutions available, what makes the IPO approach particularly suited for LATAM? Certainly. Uh, the IPO takes a holistic approach to FX risk management in LATAM. Uh, we provide a custom as a solution tailored to the unique challenges of, of the of the region, uh, combining technology, uh, uh, for instance, machine learning, AI, uh, Bayesian regressions, and very like statistical uh, approach, um, and with additional with your local expertise. Right now, we are building a, a very strong team in Brazil. Okay. Yeah, in order to be closer to our clients and, and, and potential clients. Our goal is to empower a business with the tools and knowledge they need to navigate in this dynamic uh, FX landscape successfully. That is the, the main goal. Yeah. Uh, for instance, through, uh, throughout our FX risk management platform, our clients can uh, gain access to market data, trends, uh, analysis to make a more effects decision. Um, they can use Monte Carlo simulation to model potential outcomes, incorporating different inputs such as volatility, skewness, amount, maturity to calculate potential loss, né, which is the, the value risk. Uh, they can develop uh, tailored effects uh, hedging strategies and compare the performance of each strategy considering uh, factors such as hedging cost and, and their impact on, on exposure. Né? From the liquidity perspective, no? the collateral perspective, né? uh, 
we can add the tools uh, are able to evaluate the various hedging instruments, as you mentioned here, the NDFs, uh, different option structures, uh, cross-currency swaps, swaps, and so on from the liquidity perspective, né? analyzing their collateral implications. Né? So for those companies that, uh, that, uh, that, it, that it has lower liquidity in their cash flow, they need to understand the liquidity implications of such instruments. Né? Uh, when we deploy our tools né? for the industry investment, uh, let's say fund manager, institutional investors, we have created a, a, a tool that is able to compare uh, different cash flows in terms of uh, a, a cash flow with hedging and a, another cash flow without hedging, but looking from the IR perspective, looking from the performance of the, the, the cash flow. So we can assess the impact of the currency hedging on the fund's model's performance and compare cash flows with and without hedging. So what we are creating is a, is a number of statistical tools that, that, will, um, that will provide more statistical insights, more data for our clients to take more from our decisions. Here. Yeah. Matthias, tell us the difference between costs of, <clears throat> the costs of hedging in LATAM versus other regions. And is it because of this complexity in this whole, I, the main takeaway I have from this whole episode is the complexity in LATAM uh, versus other regions. A, because you just have so many different economies that are doing very differently with different currencies on top of that. And on top of that, some of them are restricted and all have very different um, currency policies as well. Is the cost of hedging higher in LATAM versus other regions? Uh, and if so, how can, how do businesses manage that? How do you, how do you go about managing that remediation? Certainly, that, that's a very interesting question. The hedging costs in Latin is influenced significantly by the interest rate differential, as I mentioned in the beginning. Uh, so making then relativity higher compared to regions with lower interest rates. Okay? Uh, when Latin countries have higher domestic interest rates uh, than those in major currencies like the US dollar or the euro, it can increase the cost of the hedging. Okay? So it's just, uh, so let's consider Brazil again, as example. Uh, in recent years, Brazil has experienced relatively high domestic interest rates due, due to uh, its efforts to combat inflation. Uh, um, more and uh, pretty much more, uh, after the, the COVID pandemic. And so by 2021, uh, the hedging cost to hedge uh, the BRL back to dollar was 8.4%. Uh, in 2022, it was 6.7%. Uh, and currently, the hedging cost is around 36 3.9% uh, per year. Okay? Why is reducing? Because um, for too many reasons. First, the Brazil Central Bank is cutting their interest rate, the Selic rates, uh, recently. And second, the Federal Reserve it's doing the opposite movement. Né? They're hiking their interest rates. Okay? So the hedging costs are reducing because the difference is reducing uh, between the, the interest rates. Né? Uh, and you can use the same, um, the same uh, knowledge for Colombia Peso. The Colombian Central Bank is also uh, hiking their rates to, 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 to curb inflation. 
Mexican peso, the same thing. Uh, Chilean peso, the same thing. Yeah. I think overall, yeah, the, the overall uh, economic situation in the globe is, is the same. But uh, when you compare uh, the hedging cost between euro and dollar, you see you're not uh, hit 80% as we saw in the BRL. This will be much lower okay? because the interest rates in, in, in both countries are much lower. Okay, So when you have a higher interest rate in one country and lower interest rate in another country, you have higher hedging costs. I prefer another terminology to refer to hedging costs. Uh, I like to say hedging pact and not hedging costs. And why hedging pact? Because the cost, you depend on the direction of the trade. Okay, If you are buying dollars and selling uh, local currency, Mexican peso, Brazilian and so on, okay, that's a cost. You are against the curve. But um, so if you need to protect some liability in dollar, okay, you are against the uh, against the curve. But uh, if you're exporter, your revenue is in dollar, you need to hedge selling dollars and buying local currency. So you are the opposite uh, way of the curve. So this is not a cost anymore. This interest rate differential is a positive carry. You have a pickup in your head. So you can you are able to maximize your revenue because you'll be converting much more, let's say, Brazil real with the same amount of dollars. Okay. So I like to say it's a hedging pact, this interest rate interest rate differential, harder than a hedging cost. Because it depends on the direction of the trade and direction of the protection. And how what can businesses do to minimize their hedging impact if they have to operate in between two regions that have a high interest rate differential? Are there any strategies businesses can do? Yeah, first we need to understand uh, the duration of your hedging. Yeah. We need to understand if there are uh, window through the this interest rate differential curve that provides uh, opportunities to hedge if you have lower cost. So it's not because I have a 12 months uh, maturity that I, needs, that I need to hedge straight 12 months. Maybe I, need, I can hedge three months and then roll it to additional three months and so on. Maybe doing this is cheaper than to hedge straight 12 months. Okay, This is one of the, uh, the things that you can do to reduce the hedging cost. Other thing is to work with the hedge ratio. Okay, so the, the first question that we we need to uh, to ask to those who want to hedge is what portion of your cash flow or your portfolio you want to hedge, you want to protect. Right? You want to be fully hedged, means zero zero currency risk, or uh, you be now you are your risk profile will allow you to have some downside risk. But at the same time, you have some upside participation. Okay, uh, depends on the hedge ratio. So if you had 100% of your exposure, you have a higher hedging cost when you had 50% or 75%. Okay, that's uh, another element that uh, business can can work with. Now, what is the hedging the hedge ratio that will reduce my currency risk, but at the same time will allow me to to manage the hedging cost. And the third one, I would say, uh, work of options. Option strategies, as I mentioned in the beginning, is three components of the pricing. 
interest rate differential, volatility, and time to decay. Okay? Because they have three uh, components, né? we are able to work né, with the options analyzing the market conditions. So, se the volatility reduce, okay, I may have a cheaper hedging because the, the volatility reduce. Or uh, even though I have a high interest rate differential, the short term of the, the option might be cheaper than I place NDF, for example. So it's each case is a, is a particular case. You cannot like, uh, we, as I said in the, in the beginning, we don't have all win uh, answer for all situations. Uh, so we need to understand the market conditions, the risk profile, uh, what the client wants to hedge in order to reduce the hedging cost. Uh, unfortunately, that's like, there isn't a free lunch. So we need to be very flexible, be very creative, work with these smart conditions to take uh, advantage of uh, these components and of course, uh, understand uh, these tools. Now we need to understand these hedging contracts uh, uh, to be able to deploy the best hedging possible. Matheus, thank you so much for that. Um, that's quite an episode on LATAM and we see much, much clearer about foreign exchange risk management over there. Is there anything you'd like to add in regards of the different topics we tackled uh, that we didn't have the chance to touch upon maybe? No, I think it was a very extensive uh, <laughs> conversation. Uh, we covered the hedge costs, the different uh, hedge strategies. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the the volatility of these currencies in, in those markets. What triggered this volatility? Né? We discussed the inflation. We discussed the actuation of the central banks and the and also the role of the government to uh, uh, to tackle uh, the currency value né? against the dollar against other currencies. So I think we covered uh, most of uh, the elements and uh, most of the the hot topics in Latin, one regarding hedging. 100%. And thanks a lot for that. Very cool. If people would like to know more about you specifically, your operation in Latin America or the Diaglo, where should they go? Now, yeah, for more information on Diaglo and how we can help, uh, how our comprehensive solu solutions for uh, emerging markets, in particular for Latin, uh, I invite everybody that is listening to us to visit our website. Uh, it's Tiago.com. So there you'll be able to see our solutions, uh, who we are, our team, uh, how to get in contact with one of your effects specialists. Né? Uh, or né? Uh, we can you can send an email to, to us. It's Diago. Uh, it's, sorry, it's info at Diago.com. They can uh, send an email straight to, to us. Amazing. We put all the links in the description and also add your personal LinkedIn profile. It does that for you so people can uh, find you easily. Mateus, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure to share a little bit of my experience. And I hopefully that will be very useful for everybody that is listening to us.